Welcome to For the Love of Dharma. I'm so happy you're here. My name is Heather Love, and I'm one of the first certified Dharma coaches in the world. This podcast will help you be more joyful, remember your purpose, and live life on your terms. Get ready to get inspired. Here we go. Hi, friends. I'm excited to continue with the January Money and Success mini series. This episode is the second of four conversations that I had with amazing women about some of today's most important topics. Women specifically don't talk enough about money and success, so I hope that these episodes will spark a conversation with you and your besties. Each week in January, I will introduce you to a woman living life on her terms and doing it unapologetically. You will find all of these women inspiring as they teach us what they've learned about money and success on their own journeys. Today, we have the lovely Nadine Zuma. She is a money energetics and life purpose coach. She helps her clients heal money wounds through inner child work and trauma healing. In this episode, we talk about the role that childhood plays on how you feel about money, but also how you feel about yourself. These things are seemingly unrelated, but they both live in the subconscious and are actually very much intertwined. How you internalize everything around you from the perspective of your eyes as a child is directly reflected in your beliefs today. We also talk about the role that your nervous system plays in your money blocks. It's super interesting, so you don't want to miss it. Let's dive in and welcome Nadine to the show. Hi, Nadine. Welcome to the show. Hi, Heather. Thank you. Nice to be here and thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you and we will dive in in just a minute. But the way I like to start all of my guest episodes is by having you choose either blue or red. And I have a blue book and a red book and I will choose a question from whichever book you choose. Red. Red is my color. (laughs) It's my soul color. (laughs) Have you ever maxed out on your credit cards? And if so, on what? <laughs> no, I have not actually. <laughs> what a perfect question for this perfect topic. No, I actually use my credit cards very responsibly as <laughs> as a good money coach that I am. <laughs> I love using credit cards because they give me points and also they just, you know, I just swipe the credit card, but I make sure they're paid in full by the end of every month. Mm. Well, we'll get into credit cards because i <laughs> that's a great topic, actually. I, I went the other way when I was 18. Mm-hmm. I got credit cards, maxed them all out, asked for more money. Yep. They gave me more money, of course. They and gave I, me you more know, money, yep. You know, and it was this whole horrible thing. I then I got myself out of debt and then I re-got myself into debt again. And mm-hmm. now I am back out of debt other than like my house and things like that. But I'm out of credit card debt. So I'm... I'm happy about that. <laughs> Congratulations. I don't really think debt is bad. It really is a symptom of other things from my perspective. However, I do have one thing to say. Like I did not grow up in the US, but I would say 99% of my US-based clients have the exact same story where they were literally sold credit cards at college, 18, zero education around how to use them. It was pretty much so like, hey, you want free money? Of course. So your story is not uncommon and 
yeah, it's it's sad. It's sad. There's no education. And most often the education that happens at school or universities around credit cards or around money is through the financial institutions sneakily trying to sell you their own products. And it's not like this objective education or literacy around finances that we actually need to know how to make life work or know how to actually follow our soul and follow whatever we are meant to be doing in this world. Mm, Such a good point. So before we dive into that, I would love for you to tell my listeners, what was Nadine like as a child? What did you do for fun? Mm -hmm. What was your personality like? I am still the same. So as a child, I grew up in the Middle East and all I wanted to do was either read or sing really loudly and dance all the time. So if there's a party, I'm dancing. If it's nighttime, I'm reading, dancing, reading, dancing, reading. I was in love with Michael Jackson at the time. And I would just sit around and wait for his video clips to come on, you know, come on TV because it was what the 80s back then. And yeah, that was my life. Michael Jackson singing, dancing and reading Enid Blyton Mysteries. Uh, I just, I I was just talking to my kids about Michael Jackson because there was just here in the States, there was a documentary, I don't know if it's a documentary, whatever you want to call it. TMZ came out with something about Michael Jackson and it was like mm-hmm. two hours long and I was totally into it because I uh-huh. loved Michael Jackson. Me too. Do you remember what you wanted to be when you were a kid, when you grew up? Yes. I wanted to be a chef. Ooh. Yeah. Do you like I to cook today? I did become a chef. You did. I still love to cook. I did become a chef, but it literally broke my back. Well, not literally, but it really created such, you know, it was very heavy for me because I'm very, my, I have a small frame and being a chef and being, I was doing pastry cooking. The equipment was very, they were very big. So my hip, my knee, my back, all I was doing was money coming in out to the chiropractor. So that ended, that career <laughs> ended within like three years. Oh my gosh. I never would have thought of that, that like of how heavy the equipment is and everything. It's very heavy and people would help. But then at some stage, it's like the the standing, the just, you know, like starting work early. It was just too tiring. So that goes, that's my dream. There it goes. See you later. I still cook at home. So that's nice. Yeah. And at least you tried it. I mean, I, I tried think yeah. for that. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> Today, you are a certified money coach. So I would love for you to talk to me a little bit about your journey from being a chef to (laughs) being a money coach. Well, um, as we were speaking off camera, my, I feel like my sole purpose in life is to follow my gut and follow whatever my soul wants. So in human design, I'm a manifesting generator. What this means is that I am multi-passionate, multi-hyphenated. Um, I want to do everything. I can do everything. So basically, I throughout the years, I learned how to afford my what my gut wants. <laughs> I have lived in many different countries, lived many different lives. But the reason why I gravitated towards money is because of my own past in childhood trauma. So it was mainly around resources and you know the the trauma was really not like it wasn't big t trauma it was like death by a thousand paper cuts kind of trauma it was the, about the things that i didn't receive um even though my parents did their best but it was not great you know especially from my dad's side there was a fair bit of manipulation when it comes to money withholding money is a way of withholding love and 
I left Jordan where I was born and I had to learn how to be really good at money really fast because I was on my own in Australia, you know, big world. But I felt like my trauma, my whatever I was feeling that was like kind of holding me back was also trickling into my money. A budget didn't cut it, doing all the, you know, like reading all the books and the podcasts and whatever that didn't work for me. I worked with many coaches. I worked with many therapists, but it just never felt enough. Like it just always felt like, okay, great, but that's not deep enough for the the extent of my own traumatization, which led me down a rabbit hole of like the past four years of just going deeper and deeper and deeper until I understood that actually our childhood experiences 100% affect our patterns and our feelings and a relationship to money. And it goes way deeper than money mindset. It goes way deeper than budget. It goes way deeper than strategy or earn more or spend less and all that. Yeah, that all is great. But when you put it on top of trauma, no matter what trauma it is, and it doesn't necessarily exactly have to do with finances, you're just pretty much just going into the mind and not into the body. So that is the upside of having childhood trauma. You kind of go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper until you don't stop until you heal yourself, which is where I am now. And yeah, (laughs) I'm proud of it. Amazing. Yeah, I think a lot of people, they either focus on, like you said, spending less or Mm -hmm. how to save money or like we were talking before about getting out of credit card debt. And those are all great things. And they are tied to your mind, but there's so much more to it than that. So I would love for you to talk a little bit about if someone is struggling with money, Mm -hmm. what do you think really the root cause? I know we talked a little bit about childhood, but talk more about like, where does that come from and how can we fix it? So I would use the word heal it than fix it because fix it is not wrong. It just feels like it's quick. Healing is slow and slow is transformative. Fixing is just a quick change. So when we feel like we are overly emotional when it comes to money, like in a way that's not logical, you know, like when you when you can't look at your money or when you look at your money too much, when you're too obsessed with money or when you resort to spending as a way to avoid feeling something or as a way to prove that, you know, I'm worth it, kind of, I deserve this. These are all very superficial signs of having some trauma around money. When people come to me and they're like, oh, I make a shit ton of money, but I'm still anxious. That is also a sign because a lot of people believe, and it's absolutely false, that oh, once I make more money, I will feel better about it. But actually, that is not the case. If you can't manage and handle and feel good about a small amount of money, how do you think you're going to feel when it's 10 times that much? And that is something that that is the primary reason why people come to me. They're like, uh, I just had a raise. I actually feel worse. <laughs> so yeah, in a nutshell, if you have feelings that are like excessive when it comes to this inanimate object, which is money that is an indication that maybe you need some to do some healing around it. And the thing is like money healing is really about childhood healing. It really isn't about healing your numbers, right? Like people are like money healing, what's that? Financial therapy, what's that? It's really about 
healing the root by which everything else comes out of. So looking at childhood um, stories, your narratives, and all of the things that you absorbed in childhood is the way to go, not through restricting yourself from spending or from like chopping up your credit cards or putting them in the freezer. <laughs> you know, all these all these things are not a way for transformation. And I feel like the world doesn't need more to-dos. It needs less to-dos. Less to-dos comes with healing too. Healing also means doing less and feeling more and leaning in and leaning into the, the discomfort instead of just looking outside of ourselves to just like, oh, I don't want to feel shit. So let's do this. Let's do that. Yeah. I think that's such a great point that we really get to address our feelings first because mm -hmm. You look at people who even win the lottery, right? And mm -hmm. they get all this money, some millions, or I think we just had a billion dollar one in the US. Mm -hmm. And often you hear so many times those people end up bankrupt within a certain amount of years. And it's because yeah. it's tied to their self-worth. And like you said, back to our childhood, I remember hearing all the time, money doesn't grow on trees. I hate mm -hmm. paying bills, all these things, yeah. you know, making money is hard all of these things that just kind of become part of your subconscious and you don't even yeah. realize the impact it's having on you. And a lot of our, a lot of the things that happen in childhood that don't really directly have to do with money can impact our relationship with finances later on or can impact our patterns. Because for example, a lot of my clients just say, oh, I don't have anything related to money, but we're looking at like decision-making as a child or like self, like any signals of self-worth or comparison. So it's not about what factually happened in childhood. It's about how you internalized what happened from the perspective and the eyes of a child. That is what matters. So really it's not about logic. It's about how you felt. And I think that speaks to not just money, but so much of the healing that we do as adults, mm -hmm. because when we look at how we felt as a child in certain situations and we address that, mm -hmm. that can fix, uh, there's that word again, that can heal mm -hmm. so many things within us that we maybe didn't even know were there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I I know that inner child healing is the key to healing a lot. And it's not like I'm going to heal for a year. <laughs> it's it's an ongoing process, especially the the older you, you get into the healing and spiritual journey, the longer it'll take to, you know, just move, shift these patterns that have been there for decades. Yeah, it's really about these little things that we just look at from the eyes of a child. Like a lot of times, even when you would receive a better Christmas present than your cousin, that guilt, the jealousy that you see in your cousin's eyes, that can tell you volumes about yourself. It's obviously not true. You know, it's it's a projection, but how you believe that you're a kid, you don't really have the mature, the, the resources, you don't have the maturity to understand what the situation really is. You just internalize and believe and you just go on with life and it gets buried in your, sub, in your subconscious mind. And that's what's actually driving your life. So as an adult, if let's say I get a raise or whatever, I suddenly come into money, but I'm still having this guilt around it, or I feel like I'm not worthy of it. Mm -hmm. And I recognize that I need to 
start healing my relationship with money, what mm-hmm. are some of the ways I could do that? I would, first of all, allow this feeling of discomfort because we always try not to feel ill at ease. We always try our best to, you know, like not feel uncomfortable. (laughs) So if you're feeling anxious, I would invite you, if it feels safe, to kind of lean into that and perhaps feel where it actually feels in your body. Yes, you know, but where does it feel? Where do you feel it in your body? What triggers this sense of anxiety? Is it payday? Is it the day that you pay bills? Is it a certain bill? Is it your credit card debt? Awareness is the key to change because you can't change something you're unaware of. So I would say the first, very first thing is leaning in, seeing where it feels in your body, feeling what triggers it. Think like just asking yourself, where where do I feel this? And what does this remind me of? Like, what does this feeling of anxiety remind me of? And trust the memories that come to you. You know, I've got clients that we talk about money and then all of a sudden they're like, I don't know why I have this memory of my mother and I playing tennis. And it's so unrelated with money. My brain keeps giving me this memory. I'm like, yeah, it's related. Give it, just say it. And yeah, the thread to me as a coach who is an objective observer the thread, the the link to whatever we were talking about in session is just so obvious to me. But sometimes when we're very close to our stories, especially when we're so, you know, when it comes to our parents, there's no matter what our parents have done, obviously not in extreme circumstances, we know that they've done our best. So there's that guilt as well of like, oh my God, does this mean I'm saying shit about my parents? I know that they've done their best and that protective, you know, you want to protect them which ultimately stops you from going forward in your healing journey. Definitely. I think, I mean, everything we know about money in the beginning, we've learned Mm -hmm. from our parents and just remembering that they did the best they could with the information and knowledge Mm -hmm. that they had. Mm -hmm. I think that really helps. Yeah. Especially with, you know, I was born in in the early eighties, but like looking at people born in the eighties or like seventies, like, at that time, our parents got married really young, you know, like what, 18, 19. My mom had me when she was what, 21, 22. Gosh, that's very young. And they had their own trauma to not really deal with. Actually, I don't even know if they had the resources that we have now. You know, they didn't have that I would say like looking at your your stuff, quote unquote was considered a luxury back then. Like, oh, I don't have time for this. I've got a bunch of kids. So healing is not a blame game. Healing is about taking radical responsibility for your own story, but also understanding that they are responsible too, but in a mature way rather than, ah, you did this to me, blah, blah, blah. It's really not about that. (laughs) What are some of the most common money blocks that you see from your clients? They mostly look like scarcity, like that feeling of scarcity that we all feel sometimes. And that feeling of scarcity comes from many, many factors. Another block I see is overspending. And then the one that we talked about earlier, which is financial anxiety. And then the worst one, (laughs) that's the most, that's the stickiest block, I would say, is hoarding. So people believe I am good with money because I save it. Oh, I don't spend a lot of money. I'm so good at, at money. That's hoarding. That's not healthy. It's very, very sticky. 
to I actually have people, their homework is to spend money. <laughs> That's the last thing they would they would expect to get as homework from their money coach. But yeah, just being okay with spending money and understanding that your life is worth the spending. What is money for anyway? I really do have a very different approach to money coaching than like save, 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 because I'm sure we'll get into that later. Like my, my ultimate goal is for people to afford their life purpose. <laughs> that is my ultimate goal. Like people are like, oh, I really need to save for a car or a house. I'm like, cool. But actually I want to work with people that have bigger purposes than that. So <laughs> I'll refer you to someone else. That I love what you said about, we call them being cheap here in the US, mm-hmm. <laughs> but we have such a vast variety and usually they're on either side of the spectrum of they spend all their money or they mm-hmm. don't spend any of it. And mm-hmm. so it's interesting. I never considered that that's really a symptom of the same thing of scarcity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a symptom of scarcity. Yeah. Scarcity is a very big one. Um, that, that feeling that there's never enough time. There's no, never enough money. I'm never going to make enough money. I'm never going to make enough to pay the debt. I'm never going to, you know, encounter the sale ever again. So might as well buy five. <laughs> you know. So the scarcity comes from the generation that raised us because they came from a generation of literal scarcity where people were lining up to get bread. You know, it was a very different paradigm back then. Right now, I feel honestly that our problem is not scarcity. If we look close, our problem is too much abundance, not a a positive connotation of abundance. It's like the too much that's wrecking our planet. Mm -hmm. That is our generation's problem. It's not scarcity. That's interesting. And I Mm -hmm. actually, now that I sit with that for a second, we do, everything is in excess. Mm-hmm. Everything to, is an excess. Yes, yeah, to a detriment. And that is why the real energy behind my business is dharma, is life purpose, because I have this belief, or I don't know what it is, a download or a vision that the reason why we're wrecking our planet is because we're feeling unfulfilled. It's because we feel we're just grabbing outside of ourselves for comfort because we know like our soul is so, so, so big. And for like, let's say a hundred years, it's strapped into our little bodies. No matter how tall you are, your body is too small for your massive soul. And you just feel like, you know, you're working at a job you don't like. You're doing things that are like out of autopilot, not out of passion. You feel, you will naturally feel unfulfilled. So you start looking outside of yourself for entertainment, for fulfillment, for for something. And when everybody does that, when everybody wants to just buy everything or do everything just because they don't feel good in their own skin because they feel unfulfilled, that is why our planet is the way it is right now. But once we start asking ourselves the right questions, asking why am I doing this? What is What is my soul actually wanting? And following through with that, that is what's going to heal us as a collective. Mm, I hope. (laughs) Yeah, I love that so much. And, you know, everyone I've talked to that came into money relatively quickly, they Mm -hmm. all say the same thing. And it's, I kind of went on a spending spree and I got everything I ever wanted. And after like a year, Mm -hmm. then I was good. And there was nothing else that I really wanted. Yeah, because we're programmed to be rebellious. 
when I like, for example, something very simple, if I want a packet of chips and I say, no, I'm not going to have a packet of chips. All I'm going to think about is that damn packet of chips. If I bring that packet of chips and say, I'm allowed to open it. then like, okay, cool. I opened it, had a couple of bites. I don't want it anymore. <laughs> it's just what you stop yourself from having. You just want more of, but like you said, like that's most my clients. Oh my God. All of a sudden I have all this money, everything great, but I just don't feel like I'm thriving. I thought I should be thriving. Okay. Let's talk about your life purpose. <laughs> this is time now. <laughs> Yeah. So speaking of it's time, I would love Mm -hmm. to dive in. So what do you think is ultimately the biggest block from us following our life purpose? And how does money play into all of that? I honestly feel when people come to me, they're usually at a crossroads. They are, they have for a lack of better term, let's call it a soul awakening, right? All of a sudden they woke up not literally like woke up, it could be, but something happens, maybe it's a death, maybe it's a vision, maybe it's a dream, maybe it's just like this beautiful thing that they saw or a birth of their their child. And they're like, shit, nothing I know makes sense anymore. There is more to life than this. There is more to life than the 3D world. And they start tapping into their own desires, like from the soul level, tapping into like, what am I here to do question? And It's scary. It's scary on many different levels because first of all, it's very scary to know on a visceral level that the life that you have built around you no longer makes sense and it's time to change. It's scary because perhaps you're the only one in your family or friend group that is going through that and it feels very, very lonely because nothing resonates anymore. All the things that you have scheduled in, all your hobbies, all everything will just feel so bland all of a sudden. And you will feel very, very crazy. And that's scary. And then the other thing is, you know that you have to change your life. Changing your life is, all change is scary. So we sometimes use, I'm too busy, or I don't have money for it as an excuse. Sometimes it is a real excuse. Sometimes somebody has a, like, I don't know, a bunch of children and they can't just like, okay, I'm going to stop working now and like follow my, my dharma. I mean, ultimately we all want that. So I'm just not poo-pooing on the excuses. Sometimes they're not excuses. Sometimes they're valid. But a lot of times money is the thing that stops us from pursuing that thing. Because the the quitting, like, I want to quit everything and do that. That's extreme. That's cool. If you can do that, that's awesome. I've done that a few times. But sometimes all we need is to honor that nudge, honor your soul's nudge. What is it? Like, is it just because, is it your soul asking you to go do baking classes for no reason? Or maybe it's going and doing drum lessons for no reason. Like you need to trust your soul because it will lead you. One thing will lead to the other, to the other, to the other. And I feel like your soul, once you're ready, your soul will speak to you as it looks like what you're curious about and what you're curious about doesn't make sense. And having the money to support that because we live in 2000 and what, 21, 22, sorry, 23, whenever this episode comes out, we need money for it. As you were talking, I started to remember that when my dad died a little over 15 years ago, I remember 
just like being, why is everyone acting like everything's normal? And why are they continuing to just go on? Like nothing has changed because everything is different. And that was really when I started to have some shifts within my soul of the, there has to be more to life than this. And I started reading books and I started following Mm -hmm. those breadcrumbs and finding mentors and things like that. And so I think that's so important and it can seem like this random thought that comes to you about go buy that book, go to that class, go wherever, go talk to that person, but it's not, it is your soul guiding you to something bigger and better. Yeah, 100%. And um, there's nothing more beautiful than honoring that. When you honor what your soul wants, what are you telling the universe? I'm open. I'm ready. Bring it on. So what are some of the biggest transformations you've seen from your clients as they kind of start to discover their dharma and they're like, oh, wait, this is not really all about money, but it really Mm -hmm. is about my purpose. I would love to say it's like rainbows and butterflies that are shooting out of their (laughs) their ears and their orifices, but it's actually really, really much nicer than that. They experience a sense of peace. I sometimes buy like session number 12, I would tell a client, go watch a recording of one of our first sessions and look at your eyes, look at your face, look how different you look. Sometimes I would surprise a client and go and do that myself and take screenshots and like show them the before and after. And they're like, I look so much happier and lighter and It's like that self-understanding that is so precious. I mean, I wish I could say, oh, after you finish working with me, you'll have a million dollars saved up. But it really is deeper than that because you can't take that million dollars when you go. But you're here to experience. It's another thing that I also want to help people understand is that we're not here to just like one of our life purposes is experiencing this, this crazy 3D world, you know? So they have this better enjoyment with life, better enjoyment with themselves, better relationships with not just with money, but with their spouse, their children. A lot of them leave their jobs. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) That's a very big, awesome side effect that happens. They leave their jobs and start their businesses. I don't encourage, like I'm not the one that encourages that. It's something that they know that they've been wanting or needing to do. So yeah, it's just, peace really. And a lot of them move countries. Yeah. Just a big change in life. And it's crazy to think that you can do massive transformation in a matter of what, three months to six months to, you know? Yeah. And you cannot put a price on peace. I mean, it's just amazing. And I know exactly what you're talking about with people. Like they look 10 years younger, like, you know, after they go through this transformation, they don't even look like the same person. It's amazing, right? And the thing is, like, when we are people that follow our purpose, when we uh, have this fulfillment, people around us kind of like being around us, but also it encourages others to honor themselves. And this way, we perpetuate that energy into the world, at least into our community in the world that is around us. Mm. That's sometimes all we can do. Yeah, yeah. I have heard that not so much around money, but just how Mm -hmm. inspiring I am to others. And I'm sure Mm -hmm. you've heard the same thing because people think that what you're doing isn't available to them. But when you show them, 
it's not about the money. It's not about the quitting of the job, which, you know, Mm -hmm. like you said, for me, that was a side effect. Like I knew I wanted to leave my 20 year career Mm -hmm. until I finally did. And now I am living my Dharma, you know, because I knew that I wasn't before. So yeah, it's just, it is amazing. And I think that we look to others and think, oh, well, they have that and I can't do it, but it really Mm -hmm. is something that is available to all of us. It really is. And it is, it's kind of also your responsibility to seek that, but that only comes when you're out of survival mode. We cannot reach that level of connection when our nervous system is stuck in survival. And you're, you know, you ultimately, your your nervous system is so primal, it doesn't understand whether there's a tiger behind you or, you know, it's your job that's stressing you. All it knows is that shutdown, danger, danger, you know? So regardless of the trigger, when you're in that survival mode, you do not actually biologically have or physiologically have access to your parasympathetic nervous system. Therefore, you can't even look at connection. You can't even look at connecting with your soul or like creativity because that all comes from the parasympathetic. Yeah, it's definitely all connected. And when you are Mm -hmm. in that fight or flight or freeze, like you're not operating at capacity. And so it's hard for you to adjust anything else in your life because you're running from the tiger or freezing from the tiger, you know? And back to money, just quickly, the money blocks that we mentioned earlier in this episode, they can actually be chalked down to a nervous system response, depending on the, the way that they manifest themselves in the person. Like for example, overspending is a flight response. It could also be a fight response. Avoiding your finances is a freeze response. I see your face. You're like, huh? Yes. Never (laughs) thought that way. That is amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That literally never crossed my mind. And yeah, yeah, my mind is blown. (laughs) All these like limiting beliefs. Y'all, they're coping mechanisms. They are what your body is doing to keep you safe. That's why I never subscribe to limiting beliefs. What limiting beliefs are holding you back? They're not limiting beliefs. They're protective mechanisms. They hold wisdom. Lean in, not don't poo-poo them. Don't, you know, like point your fingers and like, I have limiting beliefs, blah, blah, blah. No, you're a human being. That's all you are. Mm, Yeah. By putting a label on it, you're almost Mm -hmm. like keeping yourself small and stuck. Well, also you're not looking at what wisdom it holds. Because your body would not create this coping mechanism or this response out of like nothing. There is a reason. Oftentimes Mm. with financial anxiety, when we lean in and see like what's behind it, like a generic thing would be, it's because your body doesn't want you to live or relive an experience that you have lived through before, whether it's like, I don't know. It could just simply be going to the supermarket and having your mother's credit card decline or something. And it's all embarrassing and you don't have food for the week. Like it could be small things that you, again, internalize. It could be something you saw on TV, you know, like it could be something that your body is just like, I don't want you to go through this again, or I don't want this to happen to you. So I'm just going to keep you in anxiety because that is the way that we will keep you protected. Oh, that's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, back in the day, I remember being places and having my credit card declined when mm-hmm. I would go to pay for groceries or whatever. And today 
I always have more than enough money in the bank, but I still, yeah. my body, every time I yeah, go to pay, your body would be like freeze. Yes. <laughs> I still get that moment of panic and I know the money is there, but I, it, and I logically know it, but my body has a completely different reaction. Yeah. Like so many people say like, I've read the books, I've done this. Why? Why can't I, I've done the money mindset and I have affirmations. <laughs> Why can't I, you know, follow through with the things that I want to follow through? And that's because your brain knows one thing, but your your body knows another thing. Your 80% of the information that goes to your brain is from your body. 20% from the brain to the body. So <laughs> do the maths. Oh, this has been such an amazing conversation and I feel like I've learned so much. I oh, would I'm love so <laughs> I would love for you to tell my listeners where is the best place to find you and how can they work with you? I'm very active on Instagram. I say this with like a uh... <laughs> You know, we're all we're all a bit Instagram junkies these days. So um my Instagram handle is my full name, N-A-D-I-N-E Z U M O T or Z for Americans. So that's Nadine Zumot. Um my website is called saveamilliancents.com. Um, a really good way to start on your healing journey with money is by doing the money archetype quiz that's on my website and then booking a one-on-one -on -one archetype session with me to so that I can explain what these archetypes mean in your day-to-day -day life, how they manifest themselves and how to start healing. That's a very good way of, you know, starting getting the ball rolling. Amazing. And I will link everything for my listeners in the Thank show you. notes. Before <laughs> I let you go, I love to ask my guests five rapid fire questions so my listeners can get to know you a little bit better and you don't Let's have go. to <laughs> you don't have to answer them quickly. Just uh, answer the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. What is something that makes you laugh? My dog. Mm, I saw a picture of your dog before you like came on the it's Zoom. Hilarious. So cute. Yeah. What's its name? Her name is Arby. Oh, I she's know. adorable. She's magical. She's magic. <laughs> I say that about my dog too. I was like, oh, they're all magical. They're all magical. They we're are. Not, we're not worthy of dogs. We are not. The way she looks at me, like, I was like, if anyone else in my life looked at me like this, I would just, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. I feel so lucky to have her. <laughs> all right. Your favorite birthday or holiday memory? My birthday. Every oh, year? Okay, so every year. Yeah, actually, my birthday every year is my favorite day. <laughs> you got it. Yep. Amazing. I My birthday is on the first of a month of September. And so I, mm -hmm. cele I celebrate for all of August because I'm like, my birthday is coming. And then I celebrate for all of September because I'm like, well, my birthday was in September. So I celebrate for two so, months. Funny enough, I'm a Virgo too. And I do the exact same thing. My birthday starts at the beginning of August. And end the beginning of September. Yeah. It's a festival month. That's right. I love that. It's a festival. I love it. What is the first thing that comes to mind when you hear the word play? Connection. Mm. What are you learning more about right now? The nervous system. Oh, me too. It's so <laughs> fascinating. It's awesome. I, I have been going down the rabbit hole big time. It's awesome. <laughs> It's so cool. All right. Last question. Knowing what you know now, what advice would you give your younger self? What age? Depending age. You can pick. Okay. I The advice I would give to very young Nadine is never stop dancing. 20-year-old Nadine is don't go on a budget. 
Because <laughs> it will re-traumatize you. This is what a budget did to me. It re-traumatized me. Nadine from yesterday, don't have that big dinner. It will affect your sleep. <laughs> I have never had a guest give more than one age. So I love that you just did that because that is perfect. You have been such a delight. I love your energy and I can't wait for my listeners to get to know you and come follow you and take your money archetype quiz and do all the things. You have been absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for having me, Heather. Um, I wish it could never ha- never end. It was so fun hanging out. It feels like we're kindred souls. It's awesome. I agree. I had this conversation with Nadine a few months ago, and since then, I have really gone down the rabbit hole of money and how it's tied to our nervous systems and the things we can do to rewire those habituated patterns of what we believe about money. It's definitely something I will be talking about more in the coming months. It is incredibly fascinating. Since we talked, Nadine has come out with a brand new podcast called Beyond the Fear. It's really good, so make sure you give it a listen. The link for that, as well as her money archetype quiz and how to work with her are all in today's show notes. I appreciate you joining me today. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love for you to share it with a friend who loves to have meaningful conversations. Sharing is caring. Thanks so much for listening. Have a magical day. This podcast episode is brought to you by Prompts to Purpose, my free workbook that will help you stop spinning your wheels and start remembering your gifts. Inside, you'll find 25 journal prompts to get you thinking about things in a new way so that you can find your purpose and start living the life of your dreams. If you're ready to dive in, get on my email list by clicking on the link in the show notes or in my Instagram bio, and I'll send it over. Come on in and see what everyone is talking about. 